Hello. 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 Three hellos this week. Well, we're excited about this episode. One, because of the conversation that we're going to have, but two, because it's taken about 43 minutes to figure out how to plug in and get voices <laughs> not to sound weird. So, we've been so saying my, a test for the past 40 minutes. I've been hearing an echo in my ears that I don't I can't discern reality from That could just be you though. That is true. So we have Malcolm here, which is... Malcolm, how do you pronounce your last name? Salavara. Salavara. What is that? It's Finnish. Ah. Mm-hmm. I would have never guessed Finnish. <laughs> yeah. People people guess all sorts of things. Portuguese. Yeah. Italian. Yeah, yeah. When I say your name, I usually just trail off the end. <laughs> like, I'm not exactly sure. So it's like, you know, Malcolm's... Weird thing is that people, like, growing up, everyone pronounced it Salavara. That was just, like, the universal attempt. Uh, but Salavara is how my family pronounces it. And at some point people just started pronouncing it. Right. I don't think it, like even in, you know, outside of the hometown, some weird, like a uh, glitch in the matrix. Salavara. Yeah. Salavara. Salavara. Yeah. Cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Malcolm Salavara. How would you, so you, you are, you revived a family farm. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, it uh, it's been in my family since uh, not not for like a super long time or anything since 1993. Um, and growing, I was born in 1994, so um, I'm the fourth of five children. So I was the first child to be born uh, at the farm. And um, yeah, I mean, growing up, it was we had we had animals, we had livestock, we had a garden and stuff, and but no, nothing we were doing was for any commercial reason. Um, but did your parents raise livestock to like, did they actually eat them or was it just, yeah, we, we ate them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we like, uh, you know, gave them to friends and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, um, but yeah, nothing, nothing commercial. I mean, the sheep literally just came with the property. Like <laughs> I think that was, uh, they were we, there first. We, yeah, they were just there. And, uh, I, my mom has a story about the, the woman, uh, Bridget lamb, who, um, is my godmother actually, uh, who, um, sold the house and the property to my parents was, uh, you know, after they had signed all the like, you know, papers and everything to, to do the sale of the house. Um, my mom was like, Hey, wait a minute. What about all these sheep? And she's like, they're yours. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of how it started. Um, (laughs) so yeah, growing up, we had, we had sheep, we had a ton of poultry. Um, and I think it was just mainly, uh, for fun and, yeah, I mean, we got we got some meat out of it. It's not like we lived on that or anything. Um, yeah, and so at at some point in high school or college, I guess, yeah, end of high school, beginning of college, I got the idea that I wanted to uh, come back and turn it into a, a real commercial livestock operation, uh, selling you know uh, pasture raised grass fed meats uh, to the to the local <laughs> the local populace. Um, <laughs> And uh, that's what I've been doing. I uh, just just uh, just turned four years full time on the farm a couple of days ago. So. Nice. so when you say you got the idea, I mean mm-hmm. that's not really like that's not like really a normal like every day. Like yeah, maybe I'll dabble in farm. Like what was that? What what happened? What was that thought process? And obviously, we'll spend more time talking about like why. But kind of how did how did you come up with that? Um, 
Yeah, I think uh, like a sort of convergence of factors. I think um, just my personality. I, I did you know one or two like regular work internships uh, at a desk type jobs. Um, what was the industry? Um, I, I actually did one um, in uh, at a, at a startup type thing that was in in DC. Uh, that was sort of like a small business small food business incubator they were basically trying to uh, make it easy for small kind of like you know hot sauce businesses ice cream businesses like things like small caterers things like that to have a space to prepare their stuff and then have access to distribution have access to marketing and stuff it was a cool little business but um uh, and it's still there uh union kitchen it's called they have a couple of grocery stores if you're in dc you can go check it out uh but um but yeah i just uh i don't know kind of i mean i i think i knew from a, a, a much even younger age that i wasn't cut out for uh like nine to five um indoor work but um i think you know yeah even if i hadn't had this family connection to a piece of property i would have gone and tried to become an intern somewhere and eventually buy my own my own place um i've definitely <laughs> reflected on that's that's what it would what what would have been my course of action right um but yeah uh so, so actually, yeah, in the food industry, I've always been interested in, in farming just from having grown up around the animals and stuff and, uh, felt a connection to, to that. Um, you know, there's pictures of me as a little kid with like pitchforks and stuff like that, <laughs> cute stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think, um, I think really like, uh, as my, as my friends, you know, um, people I knew were starting to do like kind of corporate type uh, summer internships and stuff, the beginning of college, even the end of high school for some people, I just saw, uh, and my siblings also, uh, going through all of that. Um, you know, just that it wasn't really, <laughs> wasn't really like, um, getting your hands dirty. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just didn't have like, a it's, it, it's meaning was like exterior to it. Like the, the purpose was, um, was to like make a lot of money and be able to go on vacations like later in life, you know? Right. Um, and that's, you know, great. Uh, <laughs> that's what you want to do. And, yeah. but I just sort of, I've, I've got sort of like an OCD thing where I need the the purpose and the thing itself, the career to be like integrated. Yes. Uh, and so farming I think is uh, just because it's such a basic kind of necessity for any community. Um, and, and people really uh, appreciate I've, I've, seen uh, in the years that i've been doing this people really appreciate that i am doing it at all i think in a pretty authentic way uh, right. and so that's very fulfilling and um you know gives me the kind of like sense of meaning that i i sort of <laughs> freakishly really need more than other people uh more than my peers at least as far as i can tell um or, or in a more direct way not that they don't need fulfillment and meaning in life of course everybody does but um I just, I, I have something in my brain that requires me to mm. have it all as one package. So right. that's why farming kind of, uh, I felt called to be a farmer a little bit, uh, probably in retrospect. So you identified this early in life, mm -hmm. but then still went to college, mm -hmm. went to Dartmouth. Mm -hmm. What did you study in there? Uh, literature. Literature. Yeah. Did your college prepare you for your <laughs> pursuit of meaning and farming? And uh, no, 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 I mean, 
But you went to Dartmouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went to Dartmouth. Um, yeah. yeah, four years. Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, it didn't. I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say anything too controversial, but send it. Uh, send it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um went to a fancy school or whatever. I I think well, yeah, there just aren't any farming classes. So, like in terms of the actual practical skills, I, everything that I've learned and know now, or at least think I know, is is from either books or YouTube or just trial and error in my own context. Um, and so, um. Yeah, there, there's, there was, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, I, <laughs> you know, my, my, my parents would probably want me to say that I, like, became a better writer or something, which helps with like sending, you know, marketing emails and stuff like that. But I don't actually think I did become a better writer at Dartmouth. <laughs> I, I, I think I probably became a worse writer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, um, it, it, I, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, like, incentive structures, I think, of the modern university system are quite perverse and don't actually generate like uh tangible valuable skills um for the <laughs> the citizenry you know uh the the um yeah the it's yeah it's like particularly you know writing I, I i never really received any like memorable instruction on like you know the the basics i mean i did in high school but you know, in college, I, it was sort of more like, uh, I don't know. It was more, it was more like, you know, we're not going to make an effort to, uh, mold you or improve your, improve your skills or develop your skills. It was more just like you are what you are. And we're going to stratify that, uh, as a service to the, uh, your future employer to be able to or the, the the people whose whose jobs you will apply for, which I think is is more or less what what the uh, university uh, industrial complex is is still there for. I don't think it actually uh, educates anybody. No, right, right, right. Yeah, I'm gonna let's move from. I think we could spend a lot of time there. But yes, I, think, I was um, yeah, as um, you're saying this, I'm like Bill has a lot of thoughts as he's <laughs> currently in grad school. Yeah, we can um, talk about farming instead of. But this. so the farming piece. She, but this isn't something that any person just mm. dabbles. I mean, you obviously dove, you had to really dive into immersing yourself. And like you started with, well, you had the sheep, but mm-hmm. chickens. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. that like, how did the, and and also, I mean, you learned, can you speak a little bit about like, who who did you learn from or where did you go to sure. to kind of model this whole yeah. system after? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, um, I mean, certainly just like basic, uh, basic name, like Joel Salatin and, uh, other, other kind of major figures within the regenerative agriculture space, um, or influential on me, but I, I, you know, I sort of have ultimately, I think, and this is an ongoing process in my own case, but, and I think in anybody's case, but, you know, you, especially with farming, you have to adapt, uh, to one's own context uh so you know like we are on a steep western facing uh rocky eroded hillside in <laughs> Burnsville, new jersey uh <laughs> not the shenandoah valley that yeah I- exactly and so you know i mean it's the same like general climate as the shenandoah valley in terms of you know average temperatures and rainfall and stuff and so it's you know 
relatively and you know it's not just the the land it's also like we're in burnsville new jersey you know we have uh, a lot of potential customers like immediately there um but there's also you know <laughs> trade-offs to that um uh whereas obviously yeah like Shenandoah valley virginia is, is relatively remote um for for somewhere on the, on the east coast um and uh yeah so so i think i think um yeah you know i i think what's what what has ultimately happened in my own kind of like farming education has been um that i've more or less extrapolated principles from other people uh you know and joel southen does a good job of just boiling it down to basic principles the the, the most basic of which is animals move just <laughs> you know uh, if you if you go to visit and everyone i highly i recommend that you should visit any farm that you're going to buy food from um and uh see whether the you know that's that's a, just a very bit you don't have to like know about like you know animal soil <laughs> physiology or soil yeah. science yeah just like are the animals being moved on a semi-regular basis even mm-hmm. i mean the best farms will be moving them daily or, or even in depending on the species multiple times a day um but uh and that's that's what what we're doing but um but yeah, if if you go there and the cows are like in a barn in the middle of July and it's and they're like knee deep in you know manure, it's like don't buy food from that place. And you know you can just depend on your aesthetic. Like you can, it's it's ugly, it smells right. bad, it, the right. cows are are bawling, it's not pleasant to listen to. Like all of that is your natural, naturally like a given. Uh, right, something's wrong. Tools, yeah, to be able to tell that mm-hmm. it's not right. Whereas you know if you go and um it's uh you know a, a relatively peaceful scene with cows grazing on lush grass and pigs in the woods crunching on you know like acorns and stuff um you know it obviously depends on the time of year but uh but you know your your instinctual like what you would expect from a farm that is producing like food with integrity is you know accurate your, your yeah. what, what's the there what's the What's the, what are the chances? What's the numbers? What's the spread? What does that look like? How many farms have really good, like, so you speak about, okay, I didn't go to college and I, they, you know, your writing didn't get better, but you know, okay, maybe my marketing did. Well, uh-huh. the food, I mean, anything really uh-huh. capitalism encourages to, to an extent uh-huh. convincing and good marketing and sure. sales and blah, 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 sure. which is why we see Mark, like look at the, annual reports mm-hmm. of anything mm-hmm. and you see a very large line item for marketing and advertising mm-hmm. and, and whatnot foods look like they, they use good colors. They have bright, they have sunflowers cause mm-hmm. that's energy. And like, <laughs> yeah. so the food, I think the food packaging is mm-hmm. obviously a mm-hmm. topic mm-hmm. of, Mm-hmm. Of 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 good conversation, sure. of necessary conversation, mm-hmm. but no bullshit. How many farms are actually operating with integrity? Well, uh, you're talking about farms and not factories, but like, I th- you mean like people that might put themselves in the category of Malcolm's Farm? Like, there's a few. Just in, no, I mean like in general, like anything hey, raising animals yeah. to for consumption. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know the number, but in in the U.S., uh, a couple, maybe a couple, you know. Um, less than 5,000 operations that are integrity. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like per state, you know, obviously mm-hmm. in, in New Jersey, like there's probably, uh, maybe between 10 and 20. Um, and that's in a relatively densely populated state with not that much, 
you know, which that's obviously like, if it's densely populated, there's lots of potential customers, but there's also less, you know, land and land is more expensive. So um, it's probably a relatively average number per, on a, for a state. Uh, so multiply that times uh, 20 and, or 50, and that's a, what, a thousand? So you have farms, though, that can only produce so much because of the integrity drag factor. Um, yeah. Like, like, what's the economics and the it depends doing on, it the right way? Sure, sure. It depends on the... Um, it depends on the enterprise. I think like one one of the one of the great reasons to advocate for uh, grass, you know, proper grass finished beef, properly managed grass finished beef, or or lamb, or any other like purely grass fed ruminant, um, is because it is so scalable. Like if you look at the scale on which you know grass fed animals take place, you know, takes place in nature, that scale completely dwarfs. Uh, even the industrial model in terms of just sheer numbers of animals, like, you know, herds of bison, herds of wildebeest, herds of reindeer, caribou, uh, saiga goats, like, you know, all of these different examples of huge herds, like in their, in their millions, uh, being chased across, uh, you know, large open grasslands by pack hunting predators. That's kind of like the, the, um, story that's been going on all across the world in grass, grassland, including the, you know, the Midwest of North America, what is now the American Midwest, um, for thousands of years. And, um, you know, the, the estimates, uh, for how many millions of bite, just bison, not including other herbivores like elk and caribou and other things that other herbivores that live in North America, you know, um, somewhere between, between before like the 1880s, um, 50 and hundred million. And now we have, you know, animals like at any given time. And now we have about like I think ninety million between beef and dairy, uh, you know, head of cattle in in America, or maybe in North America, including mm-hmm. Canada and Mexico. Uh, and so it's about the same number, you right. know. Even like there's nothing there's nothing <laughs> the the industrial model didn't like improve our efficiency per acre mm-hmm. in uh, on the continent mm-hmm. in terms of how much uh, and you know bison are bigger than cows. <laughs> right. So but in terms it's of just a, so it's just a financial. It's just about the gains of like so the whole chicken industry started with the guy that wanted to start selling yeah. his feed, and so then he sold it to the other farmer. Like he got them chicks, and mm-hmm. thus began this like mass production of chickens in Georgia. But um, but I mean, so you know, the scale of animal consumption. Yeah. And obviously, we talk a lot about health, but and we've talked about it because I've been, you know, I admittedly have not been eating meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm still that there's a lot of different reasons where I, I feel like I'm making that choice. But one of them, to be totally honest, is some sort of it just feels to me like people don't want to, they, you know, they don't want to come to the farm. They don't want to take the time mm-hmm. to look and pull back the curtain and see that what the, that the cow they're eating is standing in three feet of manure or that there is pus coming out of the udder into their milk. Like just this stuff that people are like, oh, that's so disgusting. Don't tell me about that. Um, and yeah, I'd love and to say there. that you're like overflowing with customers and you d- definitely have increased your customer base, which is awesome. But 
And we need more customers. Yeah, certainly not. You're not maxed out. It's not like every farmer that's doing it right is like, oh, I'm, I'm capped out. Yeah, no, definitely. And we, yeah, every every farmer would would love to have ten more good customers. Um, I think, yeah, I think uh, you know the like the transparency thing. One of the great one of the great kind of unacknowledged weapons of the you know industrial food system is on the one hand you know people will eat uh buffalo chicken wings or chicken nuggets at at the bar or whatever and you know the the like massive distance between the actual production and the consumption Mm -hmm. is help you know um is is part of the the value of the product to the consumer they don't want to know right we're just saying Mm. and uh and but for even even when people come to the farm, like when I tell people that um, I'm a farmer or that I raise chickens or whatever, automatically the first, like 75% of the time, I would say, do you slaughter them yourself? Mm-hmm. That's the first question. Why do you think they're asking that? Like, I don't, I don't know, but I think like um, it's, it's that, it's that the fact that people are so desensitized to like the reality of, not just raising meat, but, you know, raising food in general, um, Mm -hmm. people are disconnected from what that, you know, from what their, everybody's ancestors would have known about what it actually entails to raise, um, animals or vegetables or, you know, fruit or mushrooms or whatever, everything involves life and death. Uh, and, and that, that makes people uncomfortable in general in our culture. Mm -hmm. We're so, you know, this COVID thing has been interesting because of it's sort of like reintroduced to the reality of death to everybody mm-hmm. um, and made people think about it a lot. But, um, but the, um, my point is just that, so on the one hand you've got like, it's gross. I don't want to know about it and they don't tell me about it. So that's, that's good customer relations. Right. And on the other hand, like my, the conundrum for someone like me is I want people to see like the cow and then, right. And, and the cow's grazing and the, they've been here for six hours and we're going to move them, mm-hmm. you know, onto the next spot and they're going to be there for eight hours. Uh, and people need, should, should have the, the literacy and the knowledge of how that all happens. But then when you're done with that, you go back to the, the farm stand and expect them to buy steaks. Okay. Um, and that is, I mean, for, for obviously there's lots of people like you guys who are like totally into that. And it's like, no, no big deal. We, we embrace having that knowledge, but, um, you know, there, there, are, there are people who are unwilling to like right. put, to build that bridge. Yeah, and it's just so strange because if you're going to eat, like at the, at the, the question is, do you, is it that you care that the animal, you know, and, and sh- sure, like some of it is, and there's a valid point that like a pig and a dog aren't that different. So mm-hmm. is it that you care that you're kind of like killing your dog almost, mm-hmm. or is it that you care that how that animal was raised. And to me, I guess the question is, I would rather, if I'm going to eat an, a cow, I would rather for my health and for the cow, I'd rather know that that cow, when I go to your farm and I see the cows, they look really happy. Those cows are living their best life. When you go to a factory, which it is crazy that there's been like an ag gag, that that's just increasing sure. the law to not be able to gain access to these factories and see what's happening. Um, but I would rather eat the cow that at least had a happy life and had a bad day than a cow that's been suffering for, and and it's, you know, you're basically torturing an animal. So I guess that's the part that, that just perplexes me and intelligent people who also, even if they don't care about the animal welfare, 
like when you show someone a picture of some of these animals, it's like hmm. you inherently kind of to your point, aesthetically, just using your own eyes, be like, wow, I don't want right, to right. ingest that into my body. And so for the COVID thing, I mean, it was great to see you had an uptick in, in clients. And maybe that is like, why do you think, cause that happened. So why do you think that happened during COVID? Um, well, I mean, just for pretty practical reasons, I think, I think at the very beginning of COVID in like March of 2020, people were very uncertain about what was going on. And so there was like a, an interesting, um, like collective instinct to get in touch with me <laughs> and like try and get food from me. I think just because like, it's like, uh, the, you know, we don't know if this is going to kill half the, half the world's population or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, uh, or like the trucking industry will be right. decimated. Access, just access to food. Yeah. And so it was like, everyone sort of, I think thought to themselves, it would be a good idea to like make friends with the local mm-hmm. farmer. Um, you know, not that, you know, my farm could ever, sustain like right. you know even a fraction of just bernardsville um but uh you know obviously uh, it opens your eyes to how fragile our whole system is and uh you know it's it's not just bernardsville it's it's bedminster and basking ridge and uh, far hills and peapack gladstone you know like it's a lot of people just in our like a couple mm-hmm. of square miles here um and uh and so there there's that there's that um you know access yeah, yeah in, instinct of people to uh you know in a in a crisis situation try and secure their food source i guess uh number two restaurants were closed mm-hmm. so there was no more eating out uh and people were cooking for themselves a lot more number three uh, a lot of young adults came home from cities and were living with their parents again including all of my siblings right. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh they and so there was just more mouths to feed in the mm-hmm. area um, and I think, you know, I mean, and I think in general, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't, I haven't like analyzed exactly how many customers we gained that are still with us now that the pandemic is ending. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think, uh, it, it certainly probably the crest of the wave was sometime in like April or May of last year and it stayed pretty high and it's sort of slowly come down to somewhere where it probably mm-hmm. will. Stay for, for but now. I mean, what I find interesting is it, and sort of disappointing <laughs> is that it wasn't a thought of, and I understand I've been banging this drum, but it's our drum to bang. I feel like yeah. it wasn't a moment of realizing, okay, like this is a health crisis. I'm going to look to our local farmer where I know the meat's coming from. It's, it's safer. It's healthier for me. It's not filled with hormones, mm-hmm. but that just like has any, has there been any do you feel like there's been any increase in that interest or awareness or i mean i don't know if you would if people would actually ask you that i mean i'm probably the only person texting you about any <laughs> antibiotics if you feed your animals yeah. which you don't um yeah i bizarrely with covid um despite everything we know about like the comorbidities comorbidities and stuff at least from my from where i'm standing there has been basically no movement in terms of like uh interest for health reasons Mm. um you know going in going into this project like thinking about how i was going to market it i you know i i sort of identified you know number one just we we have a higher quality product so that's an obvious uh win (laughs) than what you can get at the grocery store so we can market that number two uh it's healthier for you 
um, you know, you guys know more about the the nutritional benefits than I do, but you know, just having pasture-raised animals, you are what you eat eats. Uh, so, you know, having uh, non-GMO grain, uh, locally raised feeds that we give them, um, and obviously in the case of the the beef, uh, they only get grass. So, like all of that stuff mm-hmm. is important, and and that they live, you know, um, stress-free, uh, happy lives. Uh, also, you know, just makes makes the animals healthier and therefore more, you know, when you eat them more nutrient rich, more, uh, you know, better for you. And, um, and number three would be like the environmental benefits, which are also, um, which is actually kind of why I, a big part of the reason why I became interested in this, which we can talk about uh, if you want. But, um, I think, you know, as you get closer to the city, you start to hear more of two and three of like people who care about it for health and, and uh, environmental reasons, I think mainly because you get you know younger, like gen, more you know Gen X and, right. and millennials, whereas out here it's it's mainly boomers. <laughs> right, right. And uh, and I think they just grew up in a food culture where um, that the, you know those things weren't associated with food. Mm-hmm. You know, it had nothing to do with your health, uh, insanely obviously in retrospect. Right, right. So, and also nothing to do with uh, I mean, in general, environmental concerns were. I guess there was like DDT and, and, you know, the ozone mm-hmm. and stuff, but, uh, you know, there was no such concern as climate change or whatever. It's a game. It's yeah. a price game. <laughs> it, it, it's the price is right. Yeah. I mean, that's really, yeah. you know, what it, so much of like, you think about that and like how it's food is the, the, the rubric for making informed choices. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a generalization, but <clears throat> find it. It's not hard to find, it's like something cost four forty nine a pound or uh-huh. two thirty nine a pound. I'm gonna go right to the lower, uh-huh. and <clears throat> nobody really asks why does that cost half of what mm-hmm. the other thing costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Likewise, that immediate cost is cheaper. Yeah. What, but what, what's the long term what, cost? What costs are you are you taking on? When yeah, I, what are you taking you on? Literally, like what are you price. absorbing? And yeah. um, but it's again, and and it's not like pointing the finger and and blaming everyone i mean you're complicit in it but you look at how they were raised and how you know that scarcity of food and all that and yet somehow there's still very very little i had somebody i tell a story all the time when i was in when i was in the army i was living with a guy uh one of my teammates i would eat a decent amount of eggs Mm -hmm. um I would buy organic, cage-free eggs now at Costco. And who knows how? Costco? No, <laughs> I never had Costco. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were at the they weren't they weren't as cage-free as Malcolm's eggs, but they said oh, cage-free on the package. You're right. They weren't. And, right. But I mean, they it was were, the best you could get orga- down there. What were that? Organic Farms Valley. Mm-hmm. What is that thing? The red label. Organic Horizon. Valley. Whatever. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, and he's like, dude, those are like. Why don't you just get these? And he points to like you know like the white <laughs> styrofoam yeah. box ones. Yeah. And he's like, I can get I can get twenty four for the price of your twelve. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, because I eat a lot of them. And he's like, yeah, I know. So I'm like, but because I eat a lot of them, I want <laughs> right, them to be right. good. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and um, but that's the disconnect too from people and the health. And and I do think it it sounds like globally. I suppose people are catching on to meat and like the health benefits. And I mean, I guess some of it, like the antibiotic piece is a huge part for people. Um, 
like, and not even their health, just the antibiotic resistance. Like Mm -hmm. we've obviously talked about it, but people not understanding that 80% of the antibiotics in this country go to animals. And the crazy statistic. And so they're, so there's that, like not health, like even in terms of weight gain, weight loss, chronic mm-hmm. disease, but that piece on, and so you're, you're also like, when you think about what an antibiotic, they increase by like 15%, the size of the, the animals. So it's like, well, okay, if you're eating that product, like, what do you think is happening to you? Huh. But then when you look at, um, COVID and like SARS and the conditions of animals, like in a factory farm on top of each other of course we're going to have a disease outbreak. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those two things, I guess it just shocks me that if people aren't really thinking in terms of health, like, you know, from a higher level perspective, just that, like, I don't want to die. We're so caught up in the vaccine and the masks and I'm not speaking to either one, but nobody's talking about the fact that they are eating a chicken that's laying in God knows what. Yeah. yeah, And breathing in all this shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or it's just like, what is happening? But, and this is an educated area, but to Bill's point and also to the convenience, um, you know, we're all guilty of that. Educated. Nobody like, that's a thing that I feel like we hide behind. Oh, we're an educated thing. Why? I mean, people want the people. Okay. Like, and this is a generalization, but we tout ourselves for having a great school system. People send their children to like, they pay extra to send their kids to like the best schools. But the we best, pay, that's what I'm saying. That's right. A- okay. Can I answer the, <laughs> they're paying for like the best cars, like this, this, they want the best jobs. Like I'm educated. I can make decisions that are informed. I guess that's what I mean by they've had an education that is supposed to be providing them with the ability to make informed decisions. And this one just seems so obvious. And people have the means. There are obviously certain socioeconomic groups that don't have the ability to say like, oh, I want to come and buy a chicken for whatever that cost is. But we do have that ability. And why isn't that happening? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, real fast, just about the... uh the antibiotics and the conditions of industrial industrially raised animals two two points i wanted to make number one just so people are aware um the reason the reason that they are given so many antibiotics isn't like on a case-by-case basis where the farmer sees that he has like a sick chicken and gives it an injection of, of penicillin or something it's that um they're given what they call subtherapeutic antibiotics which means it's just mixed into their feed so it's right. as though you were, you know, with every meal, even if regardless of whether you're healthy or sick, taking, you know, like a, a penicillin tablet or shot or whatever, um, and so or or way more hardcore antibiotics than penicillin um, is what is what they're giving them. So p- just so that people realize that it's <laughs> it's literally it's not a treatment. Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, and it's it's regardless of whether it's the conditions that they are in necessitate antibiotics so that the the birds will live. <laughs> Most of them, because a lot of the thirty percent of them die. Yeah, anyway. a lot of them, yeah, um, die anyway. Crazy. It's just crazy that they 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 have like you know, and, and that number will go up because of the resistance thing. Um, but and the second thing is is just like uh, well, just just to hammer home that point about you know, um, I, I, a guy told me a story once about a friend whose dad raised hogs in like North Carolina or something, 
And the story was, you know, he had these huge barns of, you know, like you see in the documentaries of filled with pigs uh, and, you know, giant slurry pond for the manure. The pink ponds. Uh, Yeah. Which is, which is another huge, huge problem for multiple different reasons. Um, And, uh, and the line was something like, you know, if you, if you if you build one of them barns, you better have two generators because if those fans go out, everything inside's dead within twenty minutes. Oh my god, <laughs> that yeah. is, and that's just like, who wants to eat that? Yeah, yeah. So you know, it just it shows uh-huh. you the crutches that you know right, um, right. that the animals are on. Whereas you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if if our if our animals go without like. I mean, there, there's no such right. What the, the, yeah. like, like they can if, just if hanging we don't, out. We don't bring them feed for one day. Like they'll just eat, you know, the shrubs. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah. yeah, and certainly for the cows. Like I'm thinking of the pigs. Like right, right, they right. have stuff to eat out there in the woods. Yeah. Like <laughs> they'll be fine. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously we bring them feed every day and water. But uh, it's it's uh, it's you know that uh, from a resilience perspective too. It's just like such a basic, yeah. you know, like very dumb way to set up your food system the way we have it. Um, yeah, it's it's very fragile. Um, I, I remind me of what the I, I that was an aside or a yeah a uh, point. I was a little wait. What? Wait, what? What were we gonna say? You were you asked a question, but I'm forgetting what it was. No, it was just a rhetorical thing about like people not realizing those obvious things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, with the education. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a generational thing. I mean, I think I think younger people, but but even I don't know. It, it is strange. It, it, there's something you know if you think about like historically how food, you know, the the food just would have been authentic, real food. There was no such thing as processed food. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no such thing as a grocery store. You know, like even like even within our grandparents, uh, you know, lifespans, um, it's not that long ago. And so, like, when you think about the sort of casualness with which um, that we're describing about how how people approach their food, that's like historically normal. It's like you, it's not culturally embedded for us to be like worked up about mm-hmm. what you know where our food's coming from because right. historically there there was no like factory farm that we yeah. or antibiotics that we would have been worried about so it's like a new kind of like modern right. um, <laughs> you know another thing we have to worry about which is obviously we've got enough of those uh, as a as a general society but um, yeah I mean I think on the other hand you know and and uh, in general with agriculture like it's one of these things that can really be kind of turned on its head and turned into a solution rather than, rather than a burden or a problem. I mean, it can really be like the, the building blocks of, of, you know, a community based, uh, like reapproach to how we live our lives. And, uh, you know, I was really, I was really getting into thinking along these lines right before the pandemic hit. And I'm hoping, you know, we had that event, uh, probably 18 months ago now, that was a big success, uh, where we, for context, we had uh, a bunch of people to the farm that Cariana basically organized the event and, uh, and uh cooked dinner for them and you know showed them around the farm it was great and we're hoping to do more stuff like that now that the now that all the regulators even know. though it was kind of the perfect pandemic thing because we all sat outside we <laughs> yeah, were like ahead of our time yeah it would have been completely fine uh, <laughs> if we had done it during the pandemic but we probably would have been sued yeah. or something so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh anyway um yeah so i like having you know the idea of the farm, especially in such a, in a place where we really are like so close to, you know, large, large numbers of people at, whereas other farms are more, are more distanced. Um, we really can have like, and you know, 
a, a sort of local culture yeah. that is food centric and, and, and farms and not farm. I'm not saying we need to like become an agrarian society again, but that it can be a big element of, of like what it means to live here. Um, and I grew up here and like, you know, it's, it's basically suburbia. It's uh, it, which is sort of by its nature transient, you know, um, people don't, people don't tend to like stick around here. Like I have at, you know, after the age of 18 or whatever. Um, and, uh, but, and, you know, that's fine, but, you know, yeah, uh, it really, it really could sort of like, you know, give, give a place a distinctive kind of, you know, small local identity, which I think is a lot of, a lot of what's kind of missing from people's lives in general, that everything's mm-hmm. very homogenous and right. we all sort of consume the same uh you know obviously you know food brands and and uh and you know entertainment and everything you know there's very little out there that's like distinctive to a a place and um i think that's something that you know is probably like psychologically uh required for human beings uh just like evolutionarily but that we've deprived ourselves of uh in the last um, hundred or so years so for you, like building that community, I mean, I think one of your challenges that maybe people don't know is when you say like you're a farmer, mm-hmm. like what does, like, what is your, just my point is like, you're very busy. So it's like, not like you're sitting around thinking like, how can we like create an educational center and have workshops sure. and like, because you're busy, like doing the farming. So what's your typical day like do you have a day off like what do you do on the farm like um yeah so uh don't really have a day off i, I in general it, it is quite seasonal so like uh the summer you know from mid early to mid april through october i would say yeah mid october to thanksgiving is very very busy that's yeah. most of the year <laughs> and yeah well you get like three or four months where it's pretty chill i mean december is always like uh, a nice, a nice yeah. after Thanksgiving, I'll just like, I'm not doing anything, just doing the bare minimum. It's sort of naturally happened the past, mm-hmm. past couple of years. And that's been, I don't know, for me personally, that works. I, I enjoy going, uh, like, you know, 14 hour days or whatever for the, during the summer. It's obviously we're approaching summer solstice, very long days. It's nice to just like do a full day's work. Um, it ain't much, but it's honest work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I love that meme. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, yeah. So, so, um, I don't know. I, 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 to, so to answer your question, what, what is my day entail? I mean, like I can tell you today, I, uh, was up at like uh, four 30. Um, we, I, we had loaded a bunch of, uh, chickens into the trailer last night I brought them. We're actually, we used to slaughter our own chickens now that we're doing a lot more this year. So we just decided we're going to bring them to a slaughterhouse in Wyckoff, New Jersey, which is like 45 minute drive. So I drove them up there, uh, as the sun rose in my eyes, (laughs) uh, (laughs) headed, headed Northeast. Um, and, uh, and came back, did some chores and, uh, quickly pivoted into, uh, getting ready for the Madison farmer's market, which I then, um, oh, and I also, people came and picked up their orders for Thursday morning. So I got all those bagged and ready to pick up. And then I loaded the van with all of our products and stuff for the market, brought that up to Madison for around 12 and then set up the market there. And then my friend, my helper marketing, uh, genius, Dan, uh, <laughs> 
um, showed up and um, he's currently there selling. So he's, I hired him last summer, like in the middle of the summer and he's what enables me to be here now. Right. Um, But I, you know, when I, when I leave, I'll go back to the farm, got to move the cows, got um, other, other projects to do. Um, Trying to think, I mean, what are we working on? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of projects. There's always something going on. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, it's, it's less than at the beginning, like at the beginning um, when it was really just me. And the other thing that we do that's fairly unique and that, that gives us, I think, you know, it's it's hard to communicate this because it's sort of the nitty gritty, but it it makes a big difference. Is that we do a lot of our own processing as well. So we instead of having um, the slaughterhouse like turn all turn our pigs into bacon and sausage and ham and all that stuff, we take the whole pig back to a kitchen that we we rent and uh, break them down ourselves. And so that takes every up- pig. Sorry. So how many pigs, like how many do you process? So we'll do, we're right now we're doing about four every week and that oh, takes okay. like all day okay. yeah. for three people. It takes yeah. from like, you know, again, I'll leave early in the morning. So to that, like the whole slaughterhouse processing piece, I mean, that is also a pretty big, I mean, and I asked you about that as well because, sure. but I mean, that's a pretty big, because the animals could be raised having this wonderful life sure. and in the wrong hands, it could yeah. be a really gruesome Definitely. death. Definitely. So can you speak to that? Sure. Like how you, like what, uh, like you've obviously been ex- seen what the slaughterhouse is like, like vetting mm-hmm. that process. And- yeah. Yeah. I think um, both both of the slaughterhouses we use, there's one for poultry, there's one for pigs, and there's actually a third one that we've used for beef. Um, they're all small scale kind of family owned, family operated places. Um, and so, you know, they're not, they, they're perfectly humane and, and, you know, like I trust my animals with them. I've seen their their kill floors and their lines and stuff, and they're clean also, which not all of them are clean. And so, I've definitely uh, shied away from from certain places because not, I think all of them treat animals fine. Like none of them, there's you know, uh, they all they all have respect for animals, and I've I've seen them. I've seen like the bosses, uh, you know, emphasizing that the animals need to be like treated with re- respect at at all these places and. Um, you know, you shouldn't, you know, like roughhouse them or anything like that, uh, whatever. And, um, and yeah, in terms of, in terms of the actual slaughter, it's, it's all very, uh, you know, kind of like you've got experienced people doing it dispatching mm-hmm. quickly and painlessly and, uh, without stress. So, yeah, I think I, you know, I've, uh, that's obviously a different story from like the industrial scale slaughterhouses where all kinds of terrible things can happen. It's, it's obviously much larger scale. There's less oversight, um, you know, uh, speed and the level of production just lends itself to problems. Yeah. I think, I think like counterintuitively, um, or, or contrary to popular belief, um, you know, the actual slaughter is, um, you know, with someone who's, who knows what they're doing, is is quite straightforward just to 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 do it humanely quickly without pain without stress mm-hmm. um you know that's it's possible to do people have been doing it like that for a long time um what what is of more concern to me is and, and i obviously am you know care passionately that our animals are given a a, a death of <laughs> like what i just described um but what really matters is just the cleanliness and also um uh I mean, so we don't we don't have our animals processed by these by these places, but um, a big problem. And if there's like some 
investor type person listening, a, a good opportunity uh, <laughs> for for someone interested in business opportunities would would be to address the fact that there is a, a big kind of incongruity between like small scale integrity producers who are producing like the highest quality meat possible um, and the processors who uh, you know there's a, they're they're perfectly good people but they're just sort of the the industry has been squeezed so hard in like a sort of get bigger get out mm-hmm. direction that um, a lot of these processes are basically like the equivalent of you know like Oscar Mayer like, you right. know, miniature in terms of like what they're actually the ingredients they use and they're they're, they're just uh, you know small scale industrial models. Well, what is that? What is, what is what are the what does that mean? What Processing. What are the so like you know uh, when you make sausage for instance or you make bacon you know. Um, uh, you, you can you can just go and look at like a farm who's who's had their stuff processed by somebody else. Um, you know there will be all there will be like a bunch of weird ingredients in the like stuff. additives and yeah, preserved, added, like yeah, weird shit. And stuff yeah. and, you know, I mean uh, stuff that I personally wouldn't <laughs> choose to eat. Um, and so, yeah. Whereas for us, we can kind of take control over that process and say, no, the only things we're putting in our sausage are salt, pepper, fresh herbs, lemon zest, and uh, raw honey. Like that's what that's what our sausages are made out of. So we don't add like dextrose and like whatever else. Right. Is in them. Um, and same thing with our bacon and our ham and you know our broths and other. You know, these places are making broth for the most part, but <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, all of, all of our value added products and you know um, and we can you know it also gives us a great opportunity to if somebody wants like double cut pork chops or something like that, we can just be like yeah, like next like. Carrie like Anna's dad, dad loves having a uh, skin on shoulder roast. Uh, so we can, we, you know, <laughs> we uh, can easily make that happen for him. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Things like that. So it, it, it's in general, it, it gives us, it gives us uh, an edge. I would say. So is it similar to how, and not that I've ever been in this industry, but mm-hmm. is it similar? Is it akin to like, you know, basically cutting and supplementing narc drugs with both like <laughs> so you produce this is an interesting pig analogy for pigs you uh-huh. process four pigs uh-huh. you have what does that yield uh in terms of pounds yeah um well so the hanging weight like you know dressed with no guts inside of it we we like to get a, a 200 to 220 pound hanging weight and then you know um 75 percent of that will be like saleable meats and then you know like we we make we make a ramen noodle soup that people know about we uh when that's how we use the bones and, and stuff like that and that's another thing i'm passionate about is actually using all the stuff we yeah. make, make yeah. lard which karen has gotten um other other things so 750 pounds let's say yeah roughly yeah so if you were to take that and obviously if that's you're, you're you're dividing that up uh-huh. you have let's say in a sausage what's that like let's say a one pound bag uh-huh. that's the net weight uh-huh. however the actual meat content is uh-huh. five ounces of meat you've got all the extra bullshit in there from an economic standpoint right you take like you, you like it would be it's less cost it's less profitable to operate essentially at a wholesale market which from an input standpoint, that's what you're trying to advocate for. Hey, we processed 750 pounds of meat. Like, <laughs> but I don't think I think it's more so with like you can't cut a pork chop like cocaine. You could add stuff in to that's make. That's what has happening to the sausage. Well, no, he's it's saying not, it's, it's more not so much that that they're adding weight or anything, um, but they're just, taking a little bit and making it go a long way um, through. 
bulking and bullshit or no is that just no, me? No, i don't think they bulk it i think it's more just the you know what the like are the ingredients that they're using good for you yeah i don't think that they're like, why would they use that why need to use well, it's extra just what stuff? They, it's flavoring just what and- the it's just like the mm-hmm. industry standard it's what's the same stuff that you'd be getting in the grocery store the point is that you know when you you it's it's a shame to take this like high quality pork for instance and instead of making like a traditional um sausage with like real ingredients uh you put it through the same like you know system as like an Crappy io pork, like, based yeah. in factory mm-hmm. um to make to make a hot dog uh, right and because those <laughs> pigs they don't taste like we know the difference tasting your pork chops like mm-hmm. you can yeah. to your point of like high quality what's that mean like you can taste the difference yeah so a poor quality meat they need to add those things to have them taste flavorful and but yours don't but they're just going to treat them the same so yeah so it doesn't it doesn't make sense there's there's like a there you know there's a mismatch in terms of the the uh, quality of product and the quality of the quality of the actual pork and the quality of the ingredients being Mm -hmm. used in whatever product it is sausage or whatever it's not so much that they're that they're bulking it or anything like that or or you know ripping people off it's just that you know (laughs) like there's it it doesn't go together to have like really good pasture-raised ground pork mixed with like a chemical it's like a really great piece of steak with like cheese whiz on it yeah yeah it's like that exactly you like cheese whiz well not on my steak um so what would you say is your goal for so like this community and getting to know people better i mean obviously that has to lend itself to a slew of positive things, but like what, what are your, what's your goal for this year? And yeah, I think, I mean, one thing that we're trying to do probably starting in July next month, um, is start to have like monthly on farm events. Um, and you know, just starting basic, like with, uh, free food and, you know, farm tours and stuff and hopefully adding on different fun activities and things like that, that people can do, um, is sort of my vision where people can come on like a weekend afternoon or, or something or, uh, and, and just like hang out, see people, uh, get some food, see the animals, um, you know, have a, have a place to spend a couple hours. Uh, and uh, I just, uh, you know, I think that would be great. That's what I was kind of shooting for. Uh, and, and, and that's one, one genre of event. I mean, there's also like this dinner idea that we've got, um, which I'm obviously hoping to do more of. And, and there's lots of other, potential things but yeah just in general i think i think the the way you know um i don't know there there's sort of you know maybe like <laughs> it sounds maybe cynical but there's like business reasons to do this to, to approach it this way but you know in terms of like getting getting more people out to the farm seeing getting people to see the to, to sort of like experience the story of of what the farm is and stuff and, mm-hmm. and that's good um and you know you'll sell more product that way but just just from a pure like human standpoint i really think this is kind of, um, you know, what, what farms need to become. It's sort of like the new frontier for, you know, now that, now that at least younger people like sort of get it and have it in their heads that, uh, you know, the, if, if you have to choose what you're going to buy in mm-hmm. terms of foods, um, you should, you should be like buying local, like everyone knows that right. word, you're buying uh, organic or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is funny though, that like local doesn't mean just, <clears throat> Like, well, you know, ShopRite's in town, right? (laughs) So it's like, well, yeah, sure. But there's that, I think that the, 
And I love that because, yeah, the story does matter. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it is very compelling that you chose to, whether you were at Dartmouth or Rutgers or whatever, like, the, okay, Dartmouth, that's an Ivy League school, right? Uh-huh. Isn't it? Yeah. Is there? And, you know, you chose to pursue something that um, matters beyond just the bottom line, uh-huh. that contributes wholesome not only to other humans, but to the environment. And we didn't really talk a lot about the environment piece, but like it is in line with a way of believing and living that is integrity based. Yeah. And I don't know, like, uh, well, if that isn't compelling to you to support that in some way or the other, to the extent you can Mm -hmm. go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like, honestly, like that's what I want to say because, and I get it. And, And again, it's all to the extent, to the extent we can. But when you buy an eight dollar coffee, don't tell me you can't spend an extra dollar fifty on sure. eggs, and yeah. and that's purely on the financial side. And well, I'm kind of Starbucks having, isn't also a mom and pop shop. People probably know that, but like, yeah. but honestly, like, what are who are we choosing to support? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is that is something that like yeah, that's and not to say this, but like, you did it literally with your own hands. Mm and revived the farm and i'm sure and one of the questions i wanted to ask you was like all right so you come back from you graduate college you come back you're like you know what i'm gonna and i know we actually met you i think you were still in you, we were you like started when you were still in college you're yeah. like oh, I'm like go back to school what are we gonna do and we were like really now? bummed we're like why does he need to go back to yeah, school okay. so the listeners know Karen and bill were like in the first either the first or like top three first customers like my when i first started uh we just had like a farm stand in our driveway and we didn't have any farmer's markets or online store or anything. And this was just like between my uh, junior and senior year of college over the summer. And yeah, yeah so they, they, that was how we first met was they just showed up at, at the farm yeah. advertising on like the Burnsville bubble or whatever. But yeah. like what a massive undertaking mm-hmm. and to say like, I want to get the end state, whatever the goal is would be to produce integrity based regenerative agriculture food to my local community mm-hmm. yeah and it's like yeah that's like awesome we can get behind that and it's like yeah. so where the fuck do you begin because there's <laughs> right, that all sounds great yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. of course like if everybody but you gotta do it yeah. you have to go through that hardship of organizing the operation that leads to that awesome end yeah. state of providing to yeah. But to your point too, the purpose piece and we talk obviously a lot about purpose and why and you know, we're attracted to other people in whatever industry who connect to that because if it was just for the sake of like I'm going to do this because it's going to be a high quality product, I'm going to make more money, getting up at 4:30 in the morning to do your chores, like it wouldn't be enough to get you out of bed. You'd be like, screw this. So obviously your thing about like having that all in alignment is huge. And yeah, to Bill's point, if it's shocking when people don't go out of their way to support that slightly more costly or not, um, if they can afford it, obviously. But Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, do we, are we, yeah, no, go. Yeah, no. uh, so yeah, I think, uh, just, just to address, you know, there's one, one of the big concerns that comes up is the, the cost thing. And, you know, for some people that's, uh, you know, like a real limitation. And I think, um, I think my, what I would say, my observation has been that, you know, 
starting a farm in Bernardsville, I, I really thought at the beginning that I would have like no problem just, you know, selling to the like housewives on the mountain or whatever. And like, that would be my, I would get like a hundred of them and they would all spend like, you know, $500 a week or something right, right, it would right. be easy. And like money was no object for them. So like whatever. And they obviously would think it was great to have a farmer like as their neighbor. And uh, that hasn't been what has happened at all. Not because I don't have customers on the mountain. I do. But uh, like my customer base in terms of its like socioeconomic background is like from one end of the spectrum to the mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really, it, it, it's uh, like, it is affordable. Like it's not like we're charging right. insane prices. Um, it's affordable if, if it's a priority for you. Yeah. And I think if, if you really are strapped for cash, then there are strategies that I can recommend to you that where you could either buy from us in bulk um, and, uh, or, you know, just learn to cook certain cuts that right. maybe you're not used to. Like instead of buying boneless, skinless breast for $12 a pound, you could buy a whole chicken, whole chicken for right. $4 a pound and the breasts are included. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, it, they're, they're there. Uh, it's, so like there, there's it's it goes back to this liter- this idea of literacy, um, culinary literacy in this case uh, that we've lost um, that uh, we need to that you know th- ties into you know household economy and thrift and um, and being able to to make stuff go as far as right. any sort of right. like grandma like great depressions type mentality uh, is is actually a good thing to have like regardless of whether mm-hmm. we're in depression or not. Um, and so, yeah, like the whole chicken example is, is, is pretty much the quintessential example of that. Like it's, you know, it's kind of right, right. The, this, you know, I, not that I don't enjoy selling boneless skin, this breast for $12 a pound. I do. And it's great <laughs> business, but, uh, if but I, it's not necessary yeah, for like, someone it, who it, it frustrates me a little bit that, you know, that you, not that, not that I get accused of like, not that I've personally been accused of being like, uh, elitist or something or, you know, exclusionary to, um, to certain um, socioeconomic demographics, but it's not actually really true. Like I have plenty of people who are, who are in a, a lower socioeconomic class that uh, buy lots of food from me. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's, it's just a, a matter of whether or not food is, you know, culturally important to you and your family, which it should be, everyone should strive to make it like a, you know, you should eat together as a family. That's right. one very basic one. That's just good for your family in general, but it also, it, it centers food in your life. Uh, but also, um, you know, two, uh, it, it, like, are you making the most of, are you making intelligent economic decisions when it comes to food? A lot of, a lot of our modern, um, our modern, you know, food system is about tricking you into buying, you know, junk that has poison in it. That, that right. you know, like one, one food experiment, one experiment I did, uh, at the beginning of farming that I had a good time with was, you know, if you actually like weigh a, a bag of, like Lay's potato chips and do the and calculate the price per pound. It's like fifteen dollars or something per pound. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and a potato is like a dollar or something. You know, right. so you can uh, yeah, you're I, getting tricked. Uh, right. You're getting tricked into you know um, into buying stuff that's yeah. killing you and paying more for it. Then, then if you really want to eat yes. potato chips, you could just like on a Sunday go and buy like a, <laughs> a bunch of potatoes at the grocery, organic potatoes at the grocery store. And like, lard. Lynn, you know, and <laughs> slice them. Don't cut your finger off, but uh, like, you know, roast them for a couple of minutes in the oven and uh, with olive oil and salt and, 
you'll have like a week's worth of yes and therein lies the problem <laughs> an hour you know uh and you'll save a lot of money that way instead of buying mm-hmm. uh you know like, but that's the, that's the convenience piece that trust me people every nutrition workshop lecture anything and trying to that's that's always the linchpin is like that part where they like actually have to like how do you do it and and we're all like i said i'm not in standing in judgment of this and i make my own trade-offs for ease but um but there's tons of people binge watching netflix but it's like i don't have time to do the mandolin um so but the other thing to to your point which this isn't an anti-meat thing it's just a i don't think we need like you don't need to eat these massive quantities. Number one, if the quality of the meat is better, you're getting definitely like yeah. more nutrients per ounce than a, sh- a poor quality mm-hmm. piece. And um, you know, like adding vegetables to it. And obviously, you have a vegetable garden, and you're not an anti-vegetable person. <laughs> but like, you don't have to have these massive quantities, yeah. um, and that makes it sustainable. That makes it to your point of okay, you couldn't probably serve all of Bernardsville the way that they eat <laughs> yeah. now, yeah. but realistically, like Maybe your production. <laughs> yeah. Your production though, if people just were, you know, we go to Europe, our family, my family's in Norway. Um, and it's just always amazing to me that the amount of meat to feed eight people there yeah. is what an average family of four <laughs> would say is like the bare minimum. Yep. Um, yeah. so, the other thing I wanted to say about the farm and about like going there that I think that I know we're completely out of touch with is the, is the respect of life Mm -hmm. and the disconnection from what something existed as to what you ingested as. Uh And I get it. People want to be willfully ignorant and blind to it and be like, Oh, but that's a thing. I I just would rather not know. And it's like, that's the fucking problem. (laughs) That is the problem. And in doing so you, this, you turn your back to the cycle of life, to what it means to, you know, like offer a, a, a blessing or an appreciation to honor a life, to understand where it comes from and that we're in that same thing sure. versus just this consumption. Like you're the grim reaper mm-hmm. with ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is that. Versus the angel of death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and I think that's the thing. Like, And that's where it's like, I'm not a vegan. Plant-based is what. Well, the proper term my, in our my, family is my, my no, yeah, but I'm not. I eat mostly plants now. Well, you can you yeah. can eat grass fed steak and be plant based. Yeah, <laughs> I think the thing that I really am is I eat what Kay makes. Bill does it's, not cook, so basically, if I decided we were going to be do the carnivore diet, that's what Bill will be eating. He eats. You did eat a whole pizza from Lenny's. Go on. <laughs> Almost whole. Anyway, my point is is that. Yeah, there is the, and I understand the kind of humane treatment of animals. Like I, I get all of that, mm-hmm. but but there's that, there's that honoring of life, and there's that courage to stand and to face it, and to realize where we are as part of it. And you know, I think that is something that does ultimately build compassion, and not 
understanding what one animal the role one like it is like whatever you could say it's crunchy it's goo it's it's not it's just being a it's decency mm-hmm. and to recognize and to go to the farm and to be like all right this is the source of my nourishment that i enjoy eating that i do sit in a life form elevated point on the hierarchy mm-hmm. that i can get this like motherfucker honor that <laughs> and 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 choose accordingly how you then take that in because just not knowing and believing the chicken and the and the windmill and the sunny <laughs> sticker on the label yeah. like you, you know no yeah. that that is that is much less that is disgracing the value of life yeah and yeah, that, that, you know yeah death happens and you're contributing to it <laughs> yeah. in a manner that is awful mm-hmm. like that's the thing and and <laughs> you know i saw well, something about like you know not to go down this route but like the holocaust mm-hmm. was obviously an awful thing mm-hmm. and how it is necessary to educate and to do all of that and to remember and to put in the light but it is like absolutely critical to understand just what the hell happened so that we can not ever do it again yeah. and to see how did people go from how did people go from normal people to executioners mm-hmm. normal ass people like not you know and 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 see that and so of course yeah. i'm not comparing the holocaust to to this um, mm-hmm. what i'm saying is no it's an understanding it, gaining it, understanding it's an understanding of, of it's an understanding of raising our awareness and not mm-hmm. shying away from right. reality. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's something that we can apply to. We have to apply it to our health. We have to apply it obviously to our food. We have to apply it to, you know, the environment and, and where we kind of right. fall in between those is. And I do, I like, it is a frustration that it, some of the pro, the, the anti animal consumption stuff is and they would compare it to the Holocaust. They do all the time. Well, but like, that's the thing they, so they is this group of people that are maybe using certain tactics to get people's attention, which is one, which is in some ways, when you look at some of the horrors that are out there, it's like, honestly, like those horrors, those are horrific. Like nobody should be treating animals like that. And I'm not saying it's appropriate to make that experience that alike in the experience, but having some crazy campaign to highlight it, like I, I don't disagree with it. Like something has to be of equal, holy shit, to kind of wake people up. The problem is for sure that like the problem would be you getting lumped into that same yeah, thing. It's the problem. Um, and so, you know, there's, I don't think it's inherently bad for someone to say, you know what, I'm going to choose, I don't need to consume an animal. And I'm going to choose not to, but to not demonize um, a, a situation like yours, it's really the, the the whole problem and the crux of the problem is really the industrialization. So yeah, just, for sure. yeah. 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 I think uh, just a quick thought on that that I like to get across, which is that which I already sort of said, but you know, um, like the problem, the, 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 it, the problem is, yeah, that industrial like mindset you know we were talking about at the beginning like what motivated people to 
suddenly decide that we need to raise chickens in these barns. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) It did happen not overnight, obviously, but like relatively overnight in terms of, in terms of uh, like cultural progress, cultural advancement. Um, And yeah, like, so addressing it at at that deeper, like motivational cultural level, I think is important. Um, And, and so doing that, like directly on the farm talking about like, right. Sort of trying to create a, a local culture. That's, that's something that I'm excited about. But the other thing is, um, yeah, with, with the, uh, the honoring life and, and recognizing the reality of death. Uh, I think, especially when you're talking about domesticated animals, um, you know, the, the problem, I think Bill, we've talked about this in, in uh, when I've been at your house, but, the problem I think with like our sort of cloistered uh, desensitized world is that people tend to like drastically over index on mercy (laughs) Um, and like that the most merciful thing for a domesticated animal is to uh, let it just like live and die a natural death uh, of old age or whatever. And that's, I'm just here to tell you guys, that's not merciful. Uh, When you domesticate an animal, you you uh, ha- like have you know inserted yourself into the uh, its birth. You know you've you've put together the the boar and the sow, and and you have like made yourself responsible, therefore also for its death, um, and letting it you know putrefy from the inside out by dying of old age and and suffer and like ultimately just lose the ability to walk and just just die. <laughs> you know like that's what would happen. I've seen it happen. It's it's not good. Um, and it's not merciful. And so like, you know, um, yeah, the, the, but you're talking about breeding an animal and then letting it. Yeah. Just domestication in general. Right. But so, but the argument would be like, don't domesticate in the first place. Like if you stopped breeding pigs, do you know what I mean? And I'm just playing devil's advocate, but like, yes, once you're responsible for it, you're responsible then for the humane death of that animal. But if you didn't breed it in the first place. Yes. You wouldn't have to worry about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's obviously the, the vegan uh, utopian vision. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, my, my point is just, is just to, to sort of um, extend what, what Bill was saying about, you know, just the, the sort of grim realities of, of uh, that, that, that are kind of underneath our life experience that are just there, whether we like it or not. One of which is, if you do domesticate an animal, if you do have domesticated animals, uh, you know, particularly livestock, uh, and, and, you know, I think people actually even experience this, like with their, their pets and stuff when they have to put them down, you know, for humane reasons. Um, I'm not saying that slaughtering for meat is the same as putting an animal down because it has cancer or something, but, uh, it is, they're, they're, they're sort of, they're sort of of a kind in the sense that, uh, it's, it's not merciful to let them just die like mm-hmm. naturally because we're not in nature anymore. Right. <laughs> right. It, it, it's a conflation. It's two different. Yes. It's a, the, the conflict is you're making it as if we're out in the woods and this is yes. yeah. a deer running around and it's just, it's not that. Yeah, so yep. it's a tricky. Just a, just a, yeah. And a point that I think uh, some one of the lec- the future lectures at the farm <laughs> starting in the fall. yes yes we will be yes the university of death <laughs> um, yes um, so I have well, a question if you can so 
how do so we obviously know you exist mm-hmm. we know your deal mm-hmm. thankfully mm-hmm. what can people what what should what are people looking for like you know do you have any like hey here's kind of like five things that you need to look at or or whatever to to you know to assess a farm to see sure. if it's in in line with all of this um yeah uh, i don't know if i have five things i could try and try and uh, rattle a couple off i mean like what i was saying before just just the first of all you know <laughs> that they the farm has to let has to be open to you visiting okay yeah. <laughs> yep there are some farms that might have a legitimate excuse like they don't own the land and so it's not their property and maybe the owner doesn't want uh visitors or something um or maybe there's some other legitimate excuse but you can sort of use your own judgment to yeah. decide whether that where passes, does that rank on the bullshit passes here? the sniff test yeah so um a uh, you know transparency is like a non-negotiable um mm-hmm. you like the, earlier this week you know i had somebody call uh i was out and i had someone call and ask um you know can i come visit the farm with my daughter and i said of course you know uh, i'm not there right now but uh you know you can you can always just go and walk around and see what we're doing we have like a transparency policy uh just be careful of the electric fences but you know uh, <laughs> it's probably it's probably better you know if you want to like uh get more contextual i can we can set up a time and she was like no like i'm i'm busy like this is the only time i have so i'm just gonna go and look at it now and i was like okay go ahead that's awesome yeah so like that's that's a a principle that i think farms need to have and like i said you know not every farm is going to be able to do that but if you know that's that's something that you should be able to do is go and see the farm just like on a day that it's they haven't like set up you know uh you know that i haven't made it look nice it's just you know the good the bad and the ugly and i'm not saying my farm is is perfect you know it's there's there's messes places and, and not everything is goes according to plan but you know we just want to be open about all of that and that's true for everybody everybody's life everybody's business whatever um i would say uh you know go go check out check out the pastures i think um you know, not everybody's not everybody is a, is attuned to what like good <laughs> what good land looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know you can generally tell whether it's whether it's well managed or not. Um, animals move, so like if animals you see port- move, portable yeah. electric fences, uh, that's a good sign. If you see other other portable infrastructure where that's on wheels or it's on skids that's good um yeah and you can just you can if you if you go and see it that the animals are on grass not on dirt that's that's a good sign and the grass might not look like true green yeah <laughs> yeah no it'll be diverse. you know what i mean like it won't yeah. if it doesn't look like you're like the manicured front lawn like good that's <laughs> yeah. not what nature yeah. looks like either. yeah no you want yeah you definitely yeah i mean that that's another good one is um is uh does are the pastures diverse i mean they probably will be. It's it's unlikely that your farmer is is like spraying, you know, uh, glyphosate or whatever to, yeah. to kill weeds. I mean, he may be like I don't know, but it, like there's just no reason to do that uh, <laughs> if you're if you're raising. You know, most most farmers who are doing this are are coming from. There's not there's not very many like grifter farmers. Like it's right. a, it's, it's a real right. commitment to actually. Right. There are grifter like butchers and stuff. You know. Uh, uh, and you you can you can sort of try and discern that for yourself, but uh, most people who are actually committing to doing all of this work are like actually committed to like the principles of it, as far as I can tell. Right? Uh, it's, it would be it would be pretty weird to like <laughs> to fully to fully like embrace the farming lifestyle and the kind of sacrifices entailed in that, and uh, not actually be like a true believer. <laughs> right. 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 Um, trying to think of other other things that I if I were visiting a farm, what would I look for? Um, 
I mean, you know, like I don't want to be too judgmental. I, like orderliness comes to mind, but like a lot of farms are like a, a junkyard mess, and they're still really good farms. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, I think. I think um, something I was going to say, or, or akin to what I was saying earlier about like the industrial thing, uh, or that that it's it's a it's a problem of like motivation and, and culture. Uh, similar to that, you know, people get hung up about like scale. And also local, like you were, you were just saying thing about like, well, ShopRite's local. And it's like, that's actually kind of a good point, you know, just because it's like local doesn't make it good. Right. But like, I think in order for it to be good, it does have to be in order for it to be good to you in your context, it should be like within a day's drive of you. Right. right, (laughs) You should be able to get there in like a couple hours. I mean, uh, depending on, you know, where people are listening from, if you're out West, it might, it might be that these places are, are, are spread out. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically like, you know, just because it's local doesn't mean it's not like a micro feed lot. It could right. still be a micro feed yeah. lot. And there are yeah. places like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but, uh, you know, where, where, as I said at the beginning, the animals are. Well, the are local easy. thing becomes a chip. Sure. It becomes a talking point. Yeah. And yeah, it's not. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating when, when, you know, places, places that, that aren't actually, that aren't actually, um. I, I just got done saying there's no there's no grifter farmers, but the, <laughs> the, there there are places that uh, don't that like at, at farmers markets that aren't uh, doing things authentically, and this goes back to the literacy thing, which like you know if you if you see a place selling uh, peppers and eggplants in May, I mean unless they have like a pretty legit uh, in in New Jersey, unless they have a pretty legit greenhouse setup. Um, they're not growing those peppers and eggplants. Like right. they're buying them from somewhere else and repackaging them and selling right. them to you as though they grew them. Uh, and that's only possible because people don't know when eggplants and peppers are in season. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, I think, I think uh, unfortunately the reality is that in order for you as a, as a customer, as, as someone who eats food to like make the best decisions, you do need to, to a certain degree, educate yourself about like, what's in season when what what does like grass-fed fat look like uh you know how can you tell whether you're being swindled or not yeah the literacy Uh, that's a i mean that right there is like such an invitation mm -hmm. to if you're like fuck man i don't know what anything is in season and i am one of those people like (laughs) i don't know yeah um a little yeah, bit, but like I certainly think almost not. Nobody, almost nobody knows. Yeah, like I, I and the, okay, corn in the summer, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the basics kind of deal. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, you think back to sort of what that was like, but you know, I think that's a great. I think that's actually a great thing to leave people with. Like, okay, look, transparency, mm-hmm. non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Animals move. Yeah. Orderliness, cleanliness, like yeah, yeah, definitely cleanliness. Is it you yeah. know like. Does it smell? Does it smell like manure? I mean, there will be parts that probably smell like manure, but you know, if it if it reeks when you get out of the car and your kids are like, "Oh, it smells terrible," you know, like uh, maybe figure out why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I mean, it probably it doesn't. It's not going to smell like a Febreze, right, or whatever. But uh, it it shouldn't. It shouldn't smell like uh, death or, or. Well, that's <laughs> such a good point too, because. There's that natural manure, like that's what things smell like. Mm-hmm. But then there's that there's that guttural response to putrefaction, putrefied, rancid, yeah. just rotten. And that's like yeah. such a back to the connection of like 
does it pass the sniff test? It's like, <laughs> literally, that's literally, what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And um, yeah, but then the, but, but really the invitation is to do whatever you can to the extent you care mm-hmm. to become a little more literate. And yeah. I, and I love that word and that phrase and that invitation because it's not to say be more elitist or be snobby. And, and, and that's unfortunate. I think that's like super unfortunate that, you know, grass fed, organic local has sort of become like, uh, I'm better than you. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's certainly not, um, yeah, and that's that, certainly not that, the that, case. That's, yeah. That's a stereotype. And like I was saying earlier, that's, it's definitely just not, doesn't actually line up with my experience of who actually buys from us. You know, it, right. we get, we have people from, from all, from all different backgrounds, uh, who buy from us and it's, uh, yeah, it's just about, you know, do you, uh, have you kind of like taken the, the local, you know, the, the, the good food pill? Like, do you, do you, <laughs> do you, uh, you know, is this something, have you realized that this is like, you know, your farmer, whether you know him or, or like him or, uh, realize it or not is, is having a bigger impact on you than your, your doctor or your lawyer or your stockbroker. And so, you know, it might be a good idea to figure out who that person is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, maybe that's a good place to leave off. I like it. <laughs> uh pk's four brothers farm yep instagram uh facebook um we have a website pk's pks f-o-u-r brothers farm.com you can go there we've got an online store uh, and you can also contact me through that if you have any questions or you want to come see the farm set up a time to do a tour anything like that uh be more than happy to meet anyone who's listening and uh wants to uh wants to get some some good stuff and or just just learn more about about what we do so yeah thanks so much for having me on bill malcolm appreciate it man uh kay would say thank you and goodbye but she just started coaching so <laughs> yeah um all right man appreciate it. thanks cool. for coming by and uh yeah hope hopefully you guys and gals got something out of this and can um take malcolm's invitation to improve your connection to the earth connection to the earth through your diet <laughs> And uh, your food, agricultural, sustainability, literacy. Yeah. That's really cool. Absolutely. Cool, man. Thanks, Good bro. deal.